This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We continue to use our key verse, Psalms 23:4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, I will fear no evil. Um, I, I'm thinking as I study these valleys and some of these battles that went on, I can only imagine some of the fear that was in the hearts of different ones, especially the children of Israel, as they faced some of these. However, the Lord always tried to encourage them, always tried to let them know that He was with them, and many times He'd fight the battle for them. And we find that out if we get that uh, far today. But uh, we've already covered some of these valleys, the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Avon, the Valley of Agilon, the Valley of Arabah, and then we was finishing up with the Valley, uh, or we got to the Valley of Becca. And that is the first uh, valley that you see there, uh, on the map of it there. You see Becca and you see Mecca, you see the area drawn down through there. Uh, we talked about how the children of Israel were traveling through this valley, and it's called a valley of weeping. Valley of weeping. Why would they be weeping? You know, I, I thought about this. You think about it. The Lord, you know, you pick up from where you have your tabernacle and, and you camp and it's time to move again. And here they are moving through, I mean, another dry desert place, another dusty place, hot place. I mean, I, I, can, I can relate to the children of Israel complaining, saying, oh boy, just here we go again, you know. Here we're traveling again through this rocky dirt stuff just, just over and over again. And, and, and I'm sure they, they came to points in their life where they just wanted to weep and wanted to cry and wanted to, wanted to give up and wondered how long and so forth and so on. So this valley of Baca, uh, the good thing about it is we saw in Psalms 84, 6, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. So empty places, dry places, begin to get full because of the rain. The Lord would bring the rain and He would fill these pools up. And, and what a refreshing, I'm sure, that was. <clears throat> Whether they were washing themselves or drinking or whatever, whatever they used that for, uh, you know, I can only imagine what a refreshing time that was. And so this was probably a valley that uh, in which the, they passed through here, they were headed to Jehovah or Zion. And so very much it was a valley of weeping. And we talked about that because we all face valleys of weeping, times where we're, we just weep, we just, we don't know why this is happening to us, why this is going on in our families and why this is going on in the world. And, and we pray and we and we, we seek the Lord, and we weep, and, and so we, we face these things too. But I think the lesson through this valley here of Becca is that they needed to remember some things about God. They need to remember the promises of God, and we do too. Many times that's what we have to fall back on when we're facing things and say, wait a minute, I remember the Scripture says He will never leave me or forsake me. 
I mean, and we can just find these promises over and over again. And those are something that we have to say, hey, I want to remember those promises and claim those promises. We have to remember that the providence of God, He knows everything that's going on ahead of time before we do. He knew what these children of Israel are facing. He knew the enemies. He knew the the climate. He knew all of those things. And He knows what we're facing too. And so these, these things, the presence of God, they needed to remember that. That God was going to be with them. He didn't, he didn't leave them. They were wandering, yes, but he, he didn't leave them in the desert. He continued to fulfill His promise depending on what they decided how they was going to treat God. And, and so uh, the power of God was there, the presence, the providence, the promises, all these things that we need to remember uh, today in our walk of life and when we face these valleys. So even though it was a valley of weeping, it could be turned into a valley of comfort. It could be turned, those dry places, those barren places could be filled with the pools. And aren't you glad when we get that refreshing time in the Lord and we see an answer to prayer, we see someone saved, we see some great things happening in our church, we see all these things are refreshing times for us as a Christian. And so we need to claim that as well. So that's the Valley of Becca. Let's move on to the next valley. It's the Valley of Baraka. The Valley of Baraka. And you see that secondly down there. I kind of just had sort of a map. I got a picture of that, that beautiful Valley of Baraka there. Not a whole lot of significant things uh, happened here in this particular valley, but we'll, we'll talk about some of it. Now, we go from a valley of weeping to this means a valley of blessing. A valley of blessing. This particular Baraka is a biblical place. It's also the name of a man in the Bible as well. The valley that you're looking at here, it's not far from En Gedi, where we'll talk about what happened about with Jehoshaphat overcoming the Moabites and the Ammonites. But it, it has also been identified with the Valley of Barakut. So uh, we know a couple of things. One of uh, the Benjamite warriors, uh, they are the Saul's brethren. They joined David uh, when, they, when they were at Zigzag. And so, but Baraka is a valley mentioned in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, and it is named the Valley of Blessing. The Valley of Blessing. And um, we find that uh, in this particular valley, there was a great victory won. And I want you to, uh, to look at that this morning. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And um, maybe he'll be able to get those up on the screen. I didn't give him, I don't know if I gave him that list uh, last week, but... Second Chronicles chapter 20. We want to look at this particular valley. The valley is on the main road from Hebron to Jerusalem. Now, it's something miraculous that the Lord did in this particular valley and how he worked with these uh, men about the, the battle. And I was talk, talking about how the Lord uh, was fighting the battle. And so there's a lesson in there for us as well. Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. It came to pass also 
After this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Amorites, and came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And there came some, some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazatamar, which is in Gedi. So he gets word that you got a whole bunch of people coming to get a, to fight y'all. You, you really got a big battle ahead of you. So what did Jehoshaphat do? Verse 3 said, He feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Jehoshaphat didn't say, well, we might as well just give up. But he, I believe that word set himself means he set aside the other things that he was doing every, from day to day, and he said, wait a minute, let's just hold everything here. Let's just get our mind on the Lord, and we're going to proclaim a fast, and we're going we're gonna to call on the name of the Lord. And he said, this is for everyone here. Verse 4, so, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So everybody got that word, and they're coming together here for it. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord our God, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen, and in thine hand is there not power and might? so that there is none able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name's sake. If when evil cometh upon us as the sword judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in the presence in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. So he's, he's talking to the Lord, and he's saying this before all the people, and he's saying, listen, I remember what you did for us in the past. We have, we have been worshiping you. We, have, we worship you in this house. We proclaim your name. He's, he's telling all these things to the Lord. Verse 10, And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. So he's also remembering there was a point when they could have gone in there and taken care of these people and we wouldn't be facing this battle. But he said, you know what, Lord, I remember you didn't want us to do that. So you turned us aside from them. But now, look, here they are. They want to come destroy us. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of, that, of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Isn't that great? He said, you know what, we, we don't know where to turn at this point. We don't know how we're going to deal with this, how we're going to beat these, all these people. 
We do, we just do this. We're going to turn to you, and our eyes are upon you. And all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jeziel and the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asphah. Now notice what happened. Came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. So they, he's recognized, hey, the Spirit of God is here now. I've called upon the Lord, and he's here. And he said, hearken, ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid, nor be dismayed by reason of this great multitude. I love this part. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Wow, don't we need to remember that statement? We face the battles in our life and we have to step back and say, well, you know what? That's too big for me to handle. That's too much for me to comprehend. I, I, I don't even know where to start. But I do know this. I'm God's child and the battle is yours. And I'm going to let you fight it for me. So faith in the Lord all the way. Verse 16, Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerel. Now notice this, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. <laughs> I can imagine you say, what? <laughs> what? Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Once again, stand still and see what God can do. Many times we have to do that in our life as well. So, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth in the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so ye shall be established. Believe his people, or so shall ye prosper. And I love what they did here and what he, what he led them to do. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. What a great song to sing. <laughs> and that, that's what they did. They, they got ready to go out and here they were singing, singing praises to the Lord. And as they begin to sing and to praise the Lord, and to praise the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab, Mount Sir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Sir utterly to slay and destroy them when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Sir. Everyone helped to destroy one another. You see what actually happened? These people began fighting against each other. That's the way the Lord turned it around. I mean, 
The Lord can do some things that we have no idea how He can do that. But He can do the impossible. So here the children of Israel, and here Jehoshaphat, they're standing back and they've been singing and worshiping the Lord and they're watching, watching them make their kill each other, go after each other. And what is the, what is the uh, results of that? And Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, and they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with dead bodies, precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoils. It was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves, and here it is, in the valley of Baccarat. For they blessed the Lord, therefore the name of the place was called the valley of Baccarat unto this day. Wow. That battle could have been terrible, couldn't it, for, for them? But here the Lord moved, the Lord miraculously came in there and took care of of the children of Israel and took care of that whole battle. You know, no wonder it's called a valley meaning blessing because they were ended up blessed more abundantly and above. They couldn't even carry away all the spoils that they had there. So I'm so thankful that he knew that there was only one way to go and that's to call upon the name of the Lord. And that the lesson there for us is certainly, I believe, to, to realize we always have the Lord we can call upon. And I know as a Christian, you've done that many times and you've seen the Lord move in miraculous ways. Maybe you're waiting for an answer for something in your life now. Well, just keep trusting God. Keep looking to God. Keep thanking Him for what He has done and what He's going to do. And I believe the Lord will move in that area in your life. So it is very important to remember the lesson here in that as well. All right, we'll move to the number six valley. It's the valley of uh, Kerashim. The valley of Kerashim. And the valley of Kerashim we see over here in the, uh, on the back side of your paper. You have that area there as well. Maybe the little box down the bottom kind of narrows it down for you there. But this particular valley means the ravine of craftsmen. Craftsmen. People that were very crafty and doing different jobs and had talented in doing things, building things, forging things. All these kind of things that were very much needed on a day-to-day -day basis. And this particular valley had these people in there. Uh, the valley, it's a place near Lydia or Lydda, it's a few miles east of Joppa, so maybe you, uh, I know it's kind of small, but maybe you'll uh, see some of that. First uh, Chronicles 4.14 says, And Mithenai beget Ophrah, and Sarah beget Joab, the father of the valley of Cherism, for they were craftsmen, craftsmen. So these people that lived in there were experts in making things. I think, it's a, uh, I think I studied a passage over in Kings. 
And I realize how, if you realize how important the craftsmen are, sometimes the people would come in and they would, they would take over a, a people in a particular area here. Just say if they came in here to, to do, take over these people. They would go in and not only take the mighty men of valor that they found there, they knew how to fight good, there were officers or, or very important, but then they would also tell the people that were going in to do battle, also don't forget to get the craftsmen. And that's what it says that they did. They went in, they took the mighty men of valor and they took the craftsmen and they left the very poor. They would go in and say, Hey, look for people that know how to build things, that know how to forge things, that know how to do all of these types of things. That's needed. We bring them with us. So uh, it was a very needed uh, uh, thing, job that they did, and many times they would be able to be taken captive and, and go to help whoever came to, to take over that particular area in there as well. So... That's really all uh, that I have about this particular valley and where it's located and uh, what, what kind of people were there as well. All right, let's move to number seven, the Valley of Jehoshaphat or the Valley of Decision. And we will, we will definitely come back to, to this valley in a different way, uh, a more prophetic way later on as we talk about it, but I want you to uh, find, if you can, uh, the book of Joel, the book of Joel, and we want to look at uh, chapter 3. Now, this particular valley of Jehoshaphat, or valley of decision, this is, uh, and we see that you see the Mount of Olives on your map, you see the valley of Jehoshaphat, so you're familiar with the Mount of Olives. You're familiar with what went on there and different things that happened near there and what's running through this particular valley of Jehoshaphat here. The name is given in modern times uh, to the valley between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. So what flows down through that? The Kidron, Kidron. And you run across that in the Bible as well. You'll see it involved with Jesus crossing the Kidron. You'll see different things that are happening there. But here in this particular valley, once again, Jehoshaphat overthrew the enemies of Israel here. <clears throat> now, look at kind of what the Lord was trying to get across to them in this particular area. Joel 3, For behold, in those days and that time shall I bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and my heritage of Israel, whom they have scattered among the nation and parted my land. So this particular valley is very important to the Lord, not only then, but in the, in the future. They have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot, sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Yea, and what have you to do with me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the coast of Palestine? Will you render me a recompense? 
And if you recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? Because you have taken my silver and my gold and carried it into the temples, my goodly pleasant things, the children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have you sold unto the Grecians, that ye might remove them far from their border. Behold, I will raise them out of the place where ye have sold them, and will return your recompense upon your own head. And I will sell your sons and daughters into the hand of the children of Judah, and they shall sell them to the Sabians, to the people of far, far off, for the Lord has spoken it. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, prepare war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of the war draw near and let them come up. And notice what he gets them to do. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say, I am strong. So the things they use for farming, the things they use for other things, he said, he said you need to take them down there where they can forge them, put the heat on them and beat them and make them into weapons of war. Assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen and gather yourselves together round about. Thither, cause this mighty ones come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I set to judge the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come get ye down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. You see that word? Valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So we, he's, he's speaking prophetically here as well. The sun and moon shall be darkened. The stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens of the earth shall quake. But the Lord will be ho the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall you know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. <clears throat> then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her any more. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down, new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters, and the fountains shall come forth of the house of the Lord, and shall water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall be desolation, Edom shall be desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their hand. But Judah shall dwell forever in Jerusalem from generation to generation, for I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion. So this valley here, whether you call it the Valley of Jehoshaphat or the Valley of Decision. In this particular valley, some interesting things have happened and some interesting things will continue to happen here. He talks about overthrowing different ones, the, the Tyrians, the Zizodians. And this has been fulfilled. But Joel speaks, there's going to be a final conflict. We know that there's going to be a time when God will come and destroy all who have come against Jerusalem. And so the Valley of Jehoshaphat may therefore be simply regarded as a general term, but we got to remember 
it is going to be the, the grounds there for God's final judgment. And that's going to take place upon, of course, all the enemies of Israel. This valley from ancient times has been used by Jews as a burial ground. It's a burial ground. And what you will find in this particular valley, if you went in there today, is you would see, and even from that picture there, you can kind of see a lot of stones in there. And what they are are flat stones that are used for tombstones. So when they would bury somebody, they would just cut out a slab of, of, of stone, get it as flat as they could, take it in there, that would be the grave marker. That would be the gravestone that would be over there. And then they would put a Hebrew inscription on that. <clears throat> now, we also show in the picture, uh, well, not in, it's not, I don't believe labeled in that particular picture, but uh, of course, with the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane is a cross from the Valley of Jehoshaphat on the Mount of Olives. It's a mile-long area there, and it runs right alongside of Jerusalem. So you get an idea of, of, of where we're talking about there. I think that uh, we can learn some things from this because uh, King Jehoshaphat, uh, is, it was very important uh, that he depend upon God, that he walk with God, uh, and and it's so important for us, too, because we have to make a lot of decisions in our lifetime. And those decisions should be because we have decided to seek God first before we made the decision. How many times do we make decisions because we say, oh, well, somebody said that was a good idea. Uh, oh, maybe, uh, you know, I, I'm going to just try this and see if it works out. And many times... That isn't good to do because not only do we have to try many things before we get the right thing or we've decided that somebody else gave us some great advice on what we ought to do and we just jumped on that. But why didn't we stop and say, wait a minute, let me seek the Lord about this decision. Let me, find, let me get a piece about what I'm going to do here and make sure that I'm on the right road before I make this, this great decision. So I think many times in life we have to realize we have to stop and say, hey, I want to do the right thing the first time, not the tenth time down the road, uh, or, or have to face the consequences because I made this crazy decision all of a sudden that I thought was, was, was the right thing to do without talking to the Lord about it. So that's what we find. You remember just the, the battle that we just talked about and, uh, and charism, you know, he, he sought the Lord. He said, I'm going to find out from God what I need to do at this point. And thank goodness he did. Because the Lord showed him, I'm going to move for you. I'm going to fight for you. What if he had just said, you know, we, we've probably got enough. Let's, I know it's a lot of people. Let's just rush in there. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so he would have had to face that, the, the results of that. But, you know, I know it's not a thing that you hear a whole lot about today, but I have still hear people that fast and pray. And I believe that's, that's something that's very important to do. It's, it's a hard thing to do, 
But to set yourself and say, you know what, this is so important. I want to make sure I'm going to fast and I'm going to skip some things that I would normally be doing and I'm going to, like we've read in the Bible today, set myself to pray and pray only to the Lord and, and get, a, get an answer from Him. So it is very important. All right, let's talk about some history in this valley. Uh, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of prophecy. We will come across it again, uh, probably when we break it down again in the Valley of Jehoshaphat and the Valley of Decision. King David ran across and fled across this particular valley going up to the Mount of Olives. Why? He was trying to escape his son, Absalom. Uh, Absalom wanted to overthrow David's kingdom. So you may recall some of the consequences of that particular thing. Absalom and, and David had a fallout, and I believe uh, was another direct consequence of David not taking action against his son when his son did what he did. Ammon, after he raped David's daughter, his own half-sister, Tamar, Tamar was Absalom's sister. And although David was angry about it, he didn't take no action. He didn't do anything. But an Absalom came along, he did do something about it. And two full years later, Absalom took that matter into his own hands, killed his half-brother, and then he fled. And then three years passed, David grieving for Amnon, but eventually he allowed Absalom to safely return from his exile. And why did he do that? David longed to see his son. He wanted to see Absalom. But even after he allowed him to return, he wouldn't speak to him. And Absalom became very resentful over that, and eventually he tried to steal the kingdom from his father. You know, David was a passionate man. David loved his children. Yes, he was a righteous man, but David also was just a man. And he didn't, he sinned. He didn't do a lot of things right. His parenting skills weren't very good. And it caused him a lot of pain and everyone else. But what, I, what happened to Absalom? And we bring it back to this valley here. Absalom was eventually killed in a battle. And he was buried in the woods, according to the Bible. But before his death, he went down into this valley and he had a monument built for him. And he had that monument built. It was called Absalom's Pillar. As far as I know, it's there to this day. And we look back at some of the, uh, some of the things that they did. Jewish people would, would pay respect to the deceased. And they would do that by passing by the graves and placing stones on the grave. You go over there today, you'll see a lot of the graves with these stones on there. And I, I often wonder, well, why in the world are they doing that? They would do that for a couple of reasons. Uh, they would do it for one reason, to let someone know they had come to pay respect. In other words, if you brought flowers, the wind could blow them away, they'd wither, they'd die, but that stone would stay right there. And so they would know, people would know, hey, I, I came to visit this grave. I came to pay my respects on this, on this grave. 
So traveling in the wilderness in these 40 years, these graves would be covered with these stones. But not only would they use it to say, I've been there, but they would use those stones to hold down the grave site so that animals wouldn't come in and disturb the grave and, of course, uh, try to eat what, whatever they could there. So these were things that they did to hold those stones down, show they had paid respects, so forth and so on. Now, what about old Absalom's grave? He had built that, that pillar, that great big pillar. I, I should have got a picture. I had a picture of it. should have had it for you there. But the way they felt about him, <laughs> when they get to see that pillar there, they throw stones at that pillar. They didn't like him. They didn't, they didn't respect him. They didn't, they didn't think he deserved that. So they, they just grab stones and throw it at him. The Jewish people are, are, can be very funny sometimes. I remember the time I went to the Holy Land, you know, they don't like you to take a picture. And we went down into a marketplace area there, and underneath a little overpass, a lady was sitting there with bread. And she had bread selling it to the people, I guess. And, you know, I just thought it was a great, a great picture. And I came up there and took my camera, got to take, she took that bread, threw it at me, boy. <laughs> Get out of here. I want you taking my picture. Okay. You know, and, and that's the way, that's the way they, they do on certain things in there as well. But anyway, we talked about the Kidron. They are in that valley. And there are many references to the book of, uh, brook of Kidron in the valley of Jehoshaphat. It's right outside the city. Jesus coming down at one time in the Bible, you remember he crossed over to go up to the Mount of Olives. So he crossed over that that uh, Kidron brook there, and going up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And you know, that was the night he was betrayed. So the night that Jesus was betrayed, and I'm sure there were other times he passed through there, but he did pass across that and head up that way, and it was that particular time. Some other important people buried there in, that, in this valley uh, of Jehoshaphat. Uh, Samson is buried there. Also, they believe that Samuel is buried there. James is buried there. Absalom, as we talked about, is buried there. And there are many, many others buried there in this cemetery in the Valley of Kidron, in this Valley of Decision, Valley of Jehoshaphat, whatever we're talking about at this particular time. But we'll talk more about this valley. We'll get into a more later on about some of the prophecy to follow. So it's an interesting valley. You can see some of that stuff there in the picture as well. All right, well, we'll pick up next time. We teach continuing on our valleys in the Bible. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.